Good evening. If you guys are watching live right now on, uh, on on YouTube, if you guys are listening here in podcast form, good morning. I am Anthony Irwin. This is the Lakers Lowdown Podcast. Today on the show, we are going to be talking about a crazy sports weekend that extends beyond basketball, obviously, with the NFL playoffs going on the way that they are. Uh, I've got to talk about that Lakers win. I got to talk about the fact that Darvin went to and stuck with that lineup, the last year's starters, the ones that we have been begging to see more of, and they helped capture that win against those Golden State Warriors. Darvin Ham was asked specifically about them again. Uh, you know, the, the previous game, I laughed at the fact that he was asked about them. They went on a run, and then we never saw them again. This time we saw that group again and uh, they went on a run to end the half. And uh, when we did finally see them again, it was in those overtimes, plural, and they were able to get that W. So we're going to be talking about that. Some of Darvin Ham's quotes after the fact. Uh, I do have uh, some trade in time, uh, trade deadline stuff. There were some new reports that came out, but weren't all that new. If you guys have been watching this show. Uh, some of the stuff that I said on Friday made its way out there again over the weekend. So we will be talking a little bit about that. And then watching those Detroit Lions, and I was rooting for those Lions, even though they are a division, not rival, but they are a, a an interdivision team uh, to my Minnesota Vikings. But Dan Campbell, I thought, thoroughly screwed up that second half. And it just made me watching the Niners just rip off, what was it, 24 straight points or whatever the whatever the number wound wound up being, I think it was 20. Uh, I was watching and I'm like, man, Darwin still wouldn't call a timeout here either. And now they're like, you obviously use timeouts differently in football than you do in basketball. But watching that disaster class from Dan Campbell made me think way too much about, about Darwin ham, because I can't think of very many other things. So let's get all to it. Let's get to it all right now. Over the weekend, on Saturday, the Lakers beat the Golden State Warriors in uh, San Francisco. Final there was 145 to 144. Um, the Lakers were led by LeBron's 36 points, 20 rebounds, and 12 assists. Anthony Davis um, was also not terrible either. 29 points, 13 boards, 3 assists, 4 blocks. Um, you had D'Angelo Russell go off for 28 points. He was five of eight from three-point range. He had five assists, a couple steals, a few rebounds, a block again. And uh, and most notably, I think my favorite stat of the night there for that one was Jared Vanderbilt playing 41 minutes. He went four of seven from the field in that one, six of eight from the free throw line, which is incredible for him. He grabbed uh, He grabbed nine rebounds, scored 14 points, dished out five assists, uh, stole the ball four times, and was a game high plus 30. The reason he was such a game high or his plus minus was that high was because he was subbing in uh, mostly for Torian Prince, who in 24 minutes scored zero points, did grab three rebounds, dished out a single assist, and had one steal and was a minus 22 in the game, a game worst minus 22 
And uh, one thing that I made note of over the course of the game was uh, my dude, True, uh, Mike Trudell, who obviously you guys know is Lakers reporter on, on, on Twitter and, uh, you know, covers the Lakers, um, is, is like the Lakers reporter for Spectrum Sportsnet. And um, he was kind of keeping track of over the course of the game Jared Vanderbilt's plus minus and the runs that the Lakers were going on when he would come into the game. And then on the other end of the spectrum, what was happening anytime Torian Prince played in that one. And, you know, to, to, to watch it all go down and be so crystal clear um, was wild to watch. And, uh, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about some, some macro stuff here coming off of it, but you just like, you can't help but watch that game. And just like, beg you know want to beg darvin ham to like admit hey man my ego has gotten the better of me and i do have to play that lineup a little bit more he was asked specifically about that lineup dan Wojcik pressed him a little bit on it um this was the exchange that the two guys had darvin i have a maybe a little bit of a bigger picture question out of tonight um end of the first half you guys are down you go with that same lineup you went with at the end of the Bulls last year's kind of starters, they go on a big run. Third quarter, they come in, they go on a little mini run, AD gets hurt, but that run continues, and then you close with that group tonight. Um, if they play like this, and if they're playing like this, I know you don't want to change starting lineups, but but how, how seriously will you consider it, considering how Jared's playing and how that group is playing around him? Well, right now, I'll consider getting me something to eat, a nice glass of wine, and consider sleeping very soon here and getting a good night's sleep. No lineup questions, please. As a, as a, a secondary, just knowing that that group and seeing that group kind of play at the level it's played here these last two games, um, how much comfort in that continuity does that give this group, knowing that it has something like that that seemingly is a game changer? I'm just thinking, you know, they, they, they all have, the utmost confidence in all of their teammates and particularly that five you know they've been through a lot of wars once they came together at the deadline last year and the way we pushed through the rest of the season the playoffs and yeah it was times we had to tinker with the lineup you know playoffs matchups you, you, you change from series to series and within the series you change from game to game sometimes so but having that group that five um they they're they're, they're you know the way they know each other they know they understand each other's rhythm it, it's a great luxury to have as you said um and it's not about always starting that way but you know you're going to get to it every coach has a a finishing six or seven a group of six or seven guys that you know you could potentially finish with and for us you know that balance that also vando brought off uh, the bench when, you know, it was just Clay out there. They sub Clay, bring him back. When Steph is out of the game, you know, he's able to match up there too. So it's a variety of different ways uh, we can we can have that balance. But best believe, it's time to finish the game. Game is on the line. That's a good five to have in your back pocket. Hmm. He said a lot of words there, right? He said a lot of stuff about like, you know, Every coach has a group of six or seven guys that they are willing to finish with. No, man. Every coach has a five-man lineup that they know is their best lineup. He, you know, he talks about how those guys went through the roles or wars and how they trust each other and all of those things. So he's 
aware of the way that those guys feel about each other and and is aware of the frustrations that they have had because they haven't gotten the opportunity to play together. And you know what he didn't say in those two answers about, you know, two minutes total um, that he that he spoke for there. You know, he never said. I should have been playing those guys more. I should have used those guys more than I have to this point in the season. Never happened. Not once. I'm not going to replay it. It's a long clip. But not once did he did he say anything at all about <clears throat> the piss poor process that he is that he has utilized this year with those guys. Not once. And look, it's coming off of a win, and he said all kinds of stuff, you know, complimenting the guys for the way that they played and how important that win is for the Lakers and how proud he was of the Lakers for winning that game. So he was complimentary of of the guys for that win. He should have been, right? Double overtime on the road. The Warriors were hitting huge shot after huge shot, and the Lakers were just taking it um, and, and, and dishing it right back. And... At no point, again, did he acknowledge, yeah, yeah, I kind of fucked this one up. I've probably messed this one up. And the it, it just it's it's the stuff that I've been talking about all year, right? It's the stuff that I've been reporting about all year, about how frustrated some Lakers are with the way that this guy is managing him both from a standpoint of like their utilization, the minutes and all that stuff, but also a leader of men's outright like disregard for accountability, personal accountability, because what, you know what you needed to start that with? Cause it's two games in a row. Now you were asked specifically about those guys. It's two games. You know what you needed to start with there? Yeah, those guys have played. They doubled, essentially, their their minute allotment on the season together. They basically doubled it in that game. That's where you need to start there, Darvin. You need to start with, yeah, it turns out the lineup that got me to the Western Conference Finals is pretty freaking good. I probably should be using them a little bit more. No, no, not at any point there. He acknowledges why those guys have wanted to play together all year. And he acknowledges why those guys are probably pretty good together. But at no point does he say, whoops, I screwed this one up and I have to improve moving forward. That's just inexcusable. And it's the exact kind of thing that these guys are really pissed off with him about. Hey, Darvin, you're capable of making mistakes. You're a second-year head coach. Of course you've messed up a couple times. That happens. Cop to it. Let's all move forward. Let's all go back to the identity that we went with to get us to the Western Conference Finals last year and build on it. Now, now those guys like each other. They played well. I'm going to drink some wine. It's unbelievable, man. It's unbelievable how bad this guy appears to be at this stuff. Now, look, um, I don't think he's a very good head coach, but I also don't think he's blind. 
And I don't think that uh, now I, I don't necessarily think that Torian Prince is going to uh, come off of the bench anytime soon. And I don't think that he is going to change these starters. I haven't that that's speculation on my part. I haven't checked in on it quite yet. Um, I will before tomorrow night's game. And I, I will start asking some some kind of more pointed questions, though. I'll be a little bit more reluctant to to to, to report on that stuff, given how it went last time. But I do think, though, this is two games in a row and ahead of the first one, he gets asked about those guys specifically by Andy Kamenetsky. And then the very next game after those guys play well, the previous one, and then they wind up winning them that game in in, in uh, San Francisco. Dan Wojcicki asks about that. And it was one thing when Andy asked about it, not to take away from Andy. He's been doing this a long time. He's just in a different role than Dan is. But when Andy asks about it, he's not a beat reporter. He doesn't talk to uh, Darwin every single day. But when a beat reporter is asking specifically about starters and specifically about a certain lineup that hasn't played very much this year and then has a follow-up about it to talk further about that, that, second, that, that lineup, that is something that a head coach is going to take note of because you know a head coach and a beat reporter do have kind of a unique relationship given how often they talk over the course of a year. And here is a spot, I think, where the Lakers um, have an opportunity to grow. They have an opportunity, like they have essentially it's what I used to say, it's what I used to say to my my guys and 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 then I, I coach girls as well. Um, what I used to say to people when they would come up and they would ask for more minutes, I would say, make me have to make a tough decision here. Force me to rethink the way I'm doing things right now. And that's exactly what that, that lineup did there. And, you know, I have to think he took note of it. There's a reason he stuck with that group for as long as he did, right? That's two overtimes. That's 10 straight basketball minutes. Those are, you know, you look at the minute totals there. AD played 45 minutes in that game. Uh, LeBron played 48. D'Lo played 49. Reeves played 47. Vanderbilt played 41. That's your starting group there, right? Uh, Rui somehow only played 18 minutes despite going 4 of 4 from the field and 1 of 1 from three-point range. He was a plus 6 in those 18 minutes. Still got fewer minutes than Torian Prince. Uh, inexcusable, but uh, I don't think that Darwin is so stubborn. Like the numbers were there, right? Your starters from last season: D'Lo, Austin, Tory, uh, D'Lo, Austin, Vanderbilt, LeBron, and AD. They all played upwards of forty minutes in that game. So, and that's a game that the Lakers like. Once you get to double overtime, and you have LeBron playing forty-eight minutes in a game. You have to win it. The Warriors probably needed it more because they are further down the standings, but the Lakers needed to win that game, given that spot, and did. They were able to win it um, in part because when it came time to win that ball game, those five, got, five guys were on the court, and uh, they were able to make up for the fact that Darvin went to Torian coming out of halftime and you know gave up a 24-3 run i believe it got to or 23 to 5 whatever the run actually finished out or you know wound up being and 
uh, you know, we're able to overcome that run, overcome their head coach, and we're able to win that ball game. And, and that's all that you can do as a basketball player, as a basketball squad, as a unit that wants more minutes is continue to force the head coach to rethink the way that he is going about things and, and force his hand and make him make a tough decision or make him make a decision that to this point he hasn't shown any interest in making. If this motherfucker starts worrying again, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to lose it. I, I will turn fully into the Joker. If, if we get another game where Torian Prince plays more minutes than either uh, Jared Vanderbilt or Rui Hachimura, let alone and, if he plays more minutes than those guys, I will show up in Joker makeup to the next show. I promise. I will do it, and I will lose my effing mind if that's how this plays out. All right, uh, let's go ahead and move on to the latest uh, trade deadline intel. For those of you who are watching live, all of you who are watching live, this is a great audience for a Sunday night. Uh, please hit that subscribe button. Please hit that like button on this episode uh, if you guys are watching live as well. <clears throat> We've gotten a ton of comments as well, so shouts to everybody for for all of that. Um, I, I I love the, uh, the 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 engagement that you guys have been offering up here. To uh, those of you who have been watching and or listening to the show all throughout this trade deadline, and I, I'm not good at this, but and I, and I know I, I, I feel like I sound like an ass here when I say this, but every single report that we have gotten from your kind of traditional media, I have been a day or two ahead of, right? Like I, if you guys have been, especially if you subscribe to my Substack. <clears throat> between Substack and here, I have been ahead of your your kind of traditional media outlets on everything going on here. The latest example of that was on Friday when I said that the Lakers and the Hawks and those talks have kind of stalled and that the Lakers are looking or, or be, have been willing to include D'Lo, the 29 pick, Jalen Huchofino, pick swaps, whatever, that would normally be set aside for and had previously been set aside for uh, DeJounte Murray, they were now having conversations with other teams with those assets or for those assets <clears throat> and seeing what the return could potentially be on those assets. And um, we got another version of those of that kind of a report, both from Jovan Buha and from uh, Mark Stein, who both said over the weekend that the way that... Um, D'Angelo Russell has played lately has kind of forced the Lakers to rethink the kind of player that it would take to move off of him. Now, here's what I'll say about D'Angelo Russell, because it's a great story if he has actually done enough to convince them to rethink their approach here. But uh, A, you still have the contract situation that makes me very nervous. You don't want to lose this guy for nothing in the upcoming offseason if you had the opportunity to trade him for somebody who would help you not just this year, but be contract controlled here for the next four years after this season. Um, the other thing that you have to uh, take into account here is the way that he's playing right now. Aaron and I talked about this on a show last week where, yeah, he's playing great right now, but you still kind of sort of know who he is. 
and and who he is is somebody capable of this kind of a run where he looks incredible. Now, if you think this is who he is here moving forward, okay, all right, that's a that's a big risk because we've seen him kind of take a step back over the course of a season. If you uh, think that there are ways to make up for his step back, uh, you know, whether it's with a different move for like Gabe Vincent's con, you know, including Gabe Vincent's contract, whatever. Okay. That, that makes some sense there. You weren't going to be able to get back the similar type of player, but regardless, like you can kind of bring in some other guys who help raise your floor on those games that Delo doesn't quite have it. Um, but I have found it interesting that essentially, um, my report on Friday, I'll just come out and say it, you know, to, to those who like don't know who my sourcing is, is going to come across as the Lakers basically saying like, come on, let's get this thing rolling a little bit. And then to double and triple down now on that over the weekend with some of the reports, whether it was from Mark Stein or Jovan Buha, um, to double and triple down in that way. <clears throat> and, and again, continue to apply pressure to Atlanta, either those talks have actually slowed down, and, and I, I'm here to tell you they have, um, and and whether the Lakers have full-on moved on from Murray, I'm not willing to go that far based off of what I know, but the Lakers certainly are kind of sick of waiting given how fast the rest of the trade deadline has taken place. So... Yeah, we'll kind of see what this looks like here when the Lakers do have to over the next, you know, so I'm recording this on Sunday the 28th. You have um, basically a week and three days or so or three or four days uh, to, to make some, you know, really big macro decisions, not just on your roster this year, but kind of on your approach moving forward. And, <clears throat> um, you know, Maintaining that belief in D'Lo and actually like sticking by that belief in D'Lo, it puts you in kind of a tough spot if 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 that is how you are actually going to do uh, to to go about this. I know that the Lakers are confident that they'll be able to add to their roster in the buyout market, and as such, I do kind of think that eventually we'll we'll see a trade that opens up a roster spot so that the Lakers can add to their roster without it costing so much in terms of future assets. But yeah, I, 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 I found this weekend and the reporting from this weekend very interesting. I found the response to that reporting very interesting. Um, uh, you know, as I talked to people around the league, there, there were people like, obviously I have my Lakers sourcing, but when I was talking to league people, there were people who legitimately buy the fact that the Lakers are just like, all right, fine. You guys fucked around. You're going to find out. You're going to wind up trading Murray, whether it's next year or or, or sometime soon after, uh, for way less than you were able. You could have gotten two weeks ago now, and um, you know as that price continues to drop, the Lakers are going to apply more and more pressure, and they're going to take more and more stuff off of the table because, given the way that D'Lo has played, and given the other offers that Atlanta has gotten or haven't gotten for Murray. There's no need for the Lakers to continue to put more and more and more chips into the table for a guy who, if D'Lo is anything close to this here moving forward, isn't that huge of an upgrade? 
Um, it, it's all it's all very very interesting. All right. Um, the last couple things that we're going to talk about here, and I'm going to keep this show relatively quick uh, because we have a big week ahead of us here in the lounge. Um, I was watching. So the KC and 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 um in Baltimore game was in and of itself really fun, really frustrating, right? Uh it was a bummer to see Lamar Jackson play the way he kind of did in that spot. It was insane to watch uh the the Chiefs who, you know, are kind of shadows of their former selves, right? There's no longer a Tyreek there. Even Travis Kelsey isn't the same kind of explosive athlete we saw him be a couple seasons ago. They're, they no longer have Eric Bieniemy, and and uh, you know that offense has kind of suffered as a result. They never really replaced Tyreek Hill with any receivers that you really feel like are 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 difference makers there. And yet somehow, some way, they found a way to make it. And I think it, you know, in large part came down to a real foundation of trust between uh, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and other mainstays on that roster. And, you know, Andy Reid, who is, I think, one of the best coaches in all of sports. And then, you know, you see that belief kind of pay its own dividends and, and, and you see them now move on to the Super Bowl where they'll face the 49ers in large part because Dan Campbell refused to adjust to the situation all year. He has been very aggressive on fourth down all year. He has been known for being willing to, you know, push some, put, you know, apply some, some pressure, <clears throat> um, you know, and, and really abide the um, analytics that, that say to go for it on certain spots. And, um, and I thought, you know, when the when the Lions were at, you know, they had like a fourth and three and could have kicked a, I believe, 48-yard field goal, um, they elected to go for it there. And you just knew. I thought, like, they were going to, like, go for it and then call a timeout and kick a field goal or, or something like that. But then they hiked the ball, and it that play obviously didn't go anywhere. And the Niners immediately basically go down and score a touchdown. And you combine that with, you know, the 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 third quarter and the fourth quarter up to that point where I just thought Dan Campbell was in way over his head uh, against a better coach in, um, you know, from, from San Francisco. And, <clears throat> you know, um, after you have that fourth down, going for it the second time is the one that I'm annoyed with. Uh, the after that, you know, you have him running the ball in on on third down down there at the uh, goal line, and that cost him a timeout and essentially ended the game. Even with them scoring a touchdown, you have the uh, you know <laughs> personally, excuse me, personally, when they got into field goal range, I you still need two scores. I think you kick the field goal and you save your timeouts. And you force San Francisco to 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 um, move the ball on you again, um, and and nope, he kept on forcing the issue, cost himself a whole bunch of clock. Does run the ball there on on third down and goal, 
And, and I just thought, you know, he tricked away a game that the lions, like we're the better team for the majority of that game. And uh, I think the Niners have more talent. And um, I think that the, the lions were playing it at a talent deficiency, but you can't also then have your coach making such mistakes there. And, and it just reminded me of uh, watching the Lakers play and try and make up for the coaching deficiency. Um, and, and it was just, I, I got flashbacks. I was like going through PTSD, watching that all take place. And, and I think if the, if the Lakers are, are going to be able to do anything this year, um, Darwin is going to have to be better at, uh, than he has shown to this point. And I think that brings this conversation full circle. As you look back on his response to somebody asking, I thought a very logical question, um, about a group that was successful last year and hasn't gotten an opportunity this season. Uh, it, it was just, it was, uh, you know, frustrating to watch that for Detroit lions fans who I know have waited a long time for that opportunity, uh, to, to, to kind of watch that opportunity fall by the wayside because their head coach, uh, just fell on his face in the biggest possible situation. I see some comments and I see some questions. So I'm going to go ahead and, and take a look at some of this, <clears throat> um, you know, and, and, and take a look at some of what you guys are asking about. Um, just so you guys know, uh, I, when I am setting this up, when you set up a live stream through StreamYard and the way that I do, it schedules a, a show, but it doesn't actually mean I'm going to be going at that time. It's just, it just means that I hit go live. I hit the like button that makes it a live stream at 928. Doesn't mean that I'm actually going live at 928. I have more stuff in the background that I need to do to get that show ready to go. Uh, so apologies for the kind of confusion there. Now, uh, shouts to uh, LankyBot, who just became a YouTube member. A reminder to those of you, as we get more and more of those uh, YouTube members or VIPs is what I'm calling them. Uh, that means that my happy hours will be able to take, you know, we'll be able to do those. I'll be able to talk to those people directly by sending them the uh, StreamYard uh, link. Now, let's go to, um, this is a good question from Boars. Is the front office aware of the Torian Prince problem? Have they stepped in to force a lineup change? No, they have not. I do think that there are people aware in the front office of, the head coach not optimizing and not fully utilizing this roster in the way that he should. And I do think that there are some people higher up in the organization who don't share Rob and Jeannie's belief is how I will phrase that. Take that for what you will. The uh, final one that I'm going to answer here, because I do think it's a, a um, it's a good point. Uh, all right, yeah, so Andrew Solomon uh, saying, y'all can't be serious because of two week, good weeks of D'Lo. Yeah, that, that kind of gets back to the point that I was making earlier um, and made previously with uh, Aaron in that, uh, you know, most teams. Now, I, I do think you do take recent information into account and you do kind of adjust on the fly in some of these spots, but... I, I do also think, though, that you take the larger data sample into account also. And uh, you do have to kind of, I mean, the Lakers are going to have to make a decision here one way or the other. 
And that decision, I think, should be more informed by the larger data sample. And uh, now you can use it as negotiating power, the way that D'Lo is playing and the way that the Lakers seem to have rallied around D'Lo. But I do think at the end of the day, you have to make a decision that deals with the reality of who this player has been his entire career. Not, you know, the regular season is one thing, but in the postseason, it's been pretty consistent and it hasn't been consistent in the way that the Lakers need him to be. Um, all right. <clears throat> I am going to go ahead and end this thing here. While I still have any voice left over whatsoever and, um, and, and hopefully we'll be able to maintain having a voice over the, over the weekend or, or heading into this week where we have a great assortment of guests lined up to get you ready for a trade deadline week and to get you ready for, uh, you know, hopefully the Lakers continue to play better basketball as they lean more on that lineup. So until then, and until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a great rest of your day. Make somebody else's, and I will talk to you on the honor.